Hi there, this is Christina Wall, and you're listening to the Inspirited Wellness Podcast. This podcast is for people who are willing to take responsibility for creating an exceptional life. For those who understand that cultivating the kind of freedom that comes with a truly healthy lifestyle is a commitment, but it's also a ton of fun and totally worth it. The information in this podcast is meant for educational purposes only and should not be used as a replacement for medical advice. Any questions or concerns about your specific health care needs or those of a family member should be addressed to your health care provider. Basically, I'm not a doctor and I am not giving out medical advice. So now that we're all on the same page, let's get to it. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Inspirited Wellness Podcast, where we're talking about fevers today. Now, this is actually a really good starting place for people who are new to using natural medicines, and it's something that I wish all parents knew because so many have uh, fever phobia. They get so scared. Even just the mention of fever um, is enough to induce anxiety and fright in people. Or maybe they don't necessarily get anxious, but the prevailing thought is that you treat a fever by giving a fever reducer and it's to bring down that temperature, right? Now, this is just basically what we've been taught to do um, to treat fevers. But I want to offer to you that how you handle fevers can have a huge impact when it comes to the long-term health of our children. I want to offer you the idea that fever is your friend. Now, none of us like it when our kids get sick. I'm not trying to to say that it should be fun and, and happy and it's miserable and it's hard work and it's not fun to see them sick and unhappy and not feeling good. But a fever means that the immune system is in the game. It's actively fighting off whatever bug is in the system. And it also means that the immune system is learning how to respond and fight infections. Even the Academy, American Academy of Pediatrics believes the need to educate parents and doctors that fevers are not really a concern for generally healthy children. The only exception to that is in the case of infants under three months of age. If they have a fever, they should get checked out. And of course, if there's a chronic health condition or something like that where a fever would be uh, need to be closely monitored. I'm going to read part of a clinical report that was actually released by the American Academy of Pediatrics. And you might find this really interesting. It says... It should be emphasized that fever is not an illness, but is, in fact, a physiologic mechanism that has beneficial effects in fighting infection. Fever retards the growth and reproduction of bacteria and viruses, enhances neutrophil production and T lymphocyte proliferation, and aids in the body's acute phase reaction. The degree of fever does not always correlate with the severity of illness. Most fevers are of short duration, are benign, and may actually protect the host. Data show beneficial effects on certain components of the immune system in fever. 
And limited data have revealed that fever actually helps the body recover more quickly from viral infections, although the fever may result in discomfort in children. Evidence is inconclusive as to whether treating with antipyretics, particularly ibuprofen alone or in combination with acetaminophen, increases the risks of complications with certain types of infections. So really interesting, right? And then there's another section in the report that states, it appears to be a common belief among parents that they must attempt to normalize their child's temperature to prevent danger. Parents should also be instructed that antipyretic use does not prevent febrile seizures. Thus, physicians should communicate that the primary goal in treating fever should, be, should solely be to improve the child's overall comfort level. So there you have it. If you needed permission from the experts, it's right there in black and white. Now, they go on to say that the best way to improve the child's comfort level is to give antipyretics. Antipyretics are the fever reducers. And I completely disagree with that. There are other ways to comfort and ease a child that will actually support the immune system without giving potentially harmful medications. Now, every time I make a statement like that, I feel the need to make it very clear that I am not anti-medication when it's actually necessary. But barring things like emergency circumstances or when there's a surgery or when severe pain is involved, they really should almost never be used as the first resort. Now, without getting too sciencey here, um, I just want to share with you that most of us know that acetaminophen is toxic to the liver. We've, we've heard that before, probably. But it also depletes glutathione levels. Now, glutathione plays a critical role in important cellular functions. It's produced in the body, and it's considered a master antioxidant. Ax antioxidant sorry. So you really don't want this compound depleted, especially when you're sick. And of course, ibuprofen has its own issues. It's also hard on the liver. It can cause serious bleeding. And this and other non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs have also been associated with renal failure in healthy children. And then, of course, adults suffer complications as well. So those in the natural health community have known this stuff about fever for years. So it's wonderful. It's always wonderful when this information starts coming out in the mainstream. Unfortunately, you've probably never heard this information from your doctor because it takes time. It takes time for people and it especially takes time for institutions to let go of their strongly held beliefs about something their sacred cows, so to speak. And it can also take up to 20 years for new information like this to filter into and actually be implemented into the general knowledge base. The good news is that you don't have to wait for that to happen. I'm going to share a bunch of links, um, the link to this clinical report and other resources for you in the show notes so you can look at this information for yourself. 
But for the purposes of this episode, I really want to share ways that you can support the fever and the immune system in fighting off the fever or fighting off the bug. The fever is the immune system's reaction to fight off the, the bug or whatever infection is going on in the body and why it's so important not to suppress that fever. Now, in episode two, I use the analogy of the immune system as a special forces unit. Hopefully you listen to that episode. When a baby is born, the immune system is, it's like it's right out of boot camp. It's had training, but it's not battle tested yet. So every time the immune system gets to fight against an infection, it becomes smarter and more efficient. And if you're supporting the body with good nutrition and healthy lifestyle habits, that's even better. Those are really great ways to support the body, support the immune system in, in being healthy. But if you give symptom suppressing medications, you're actually crippling your special forces unit. It's your immune system is trying to deploy to respond to a threat but you keep telling it to stand down. And over time, that immune system is going to become sluggish and confused and weak. And you're basically just paving the way for chronic disease later on in life because the immune system becomes so disordered. So I really like to offer gemotherapy to people as soon as symptoms of illness show up. The gemotherapy extracts are going to help reduce that inflammation, it's going to support the adrenals, and it's going to help the body drain those, those products of illness. So think of things like mucus um, that is really produced a lot when, you get, um, when, you, when you're fighting an infection like a cold or flu or fever. And it's really easy just to follow a protocol without having to think too hard about it. So homeopathic remedies can be a little bit more challenging to figure out at the beginning because many of those characteristic symptoms that we look for when we're trying to choose a remedy, they aren't really showing up when you first start feeling ill. We're, we're getting usually more general symptoms at that time in the, in the process. If you feel like the vital force needs a little bit more help after 24 hours on the gemotherapy extracts, then the right homeopathic remedy is perfect to help speed things along. And more than likely, you're going to have more symptoms to work with by then. Now, some of the gemotherapy extracts that I recommend to keep on hand are black currant, and black currant is perfect for general fevers. You can give that anytime that there's a fever. For a fever that's the result of ear aches or ear infection, we look at dog rose, blueberry, along with the black currant. And then for fevers that may come up as a result of colds and flu, we look at black currant and oak. So you're gonna begin these appropriate gem gemotherapy extracts as soon as symptoms begin. And that first 24 hours is the most critical. You wanna let your child rest and sleep as much as they need to. And if you're the one that's sick, really give yourself permission to rest and take it easy. Your body is trying to clean house. So it's a good idea to help it do that as quickly and efficiently as possible. So don't try to press through and get things done before you and think that 
when you really start feeling bad, then you'll rest. That first 24 hours really sets the tone for how, how, how everything will play out. So you also want to reduce the energy expended on digestion. So make sure that your child is staying hydrated, of course. That's very important. And if they're hungry, you can provide very light, nourishing foods. So you're thinking foods that are very easy to digest. Bone broth is excellent. It is very nourishing and always a really good option. The foods that you want to stay away from are things like sugars, breads, because breads turn into sugars very easily in the body, dairy. Dairy is huge, especially processed dairy. That is one of the most mucus-producing, inflammatory things you can put into your body. I don't recommend it in general, but especially not when you're sick. And then you don't, also don't want to be feeding a lot of meat because meat takes more energy to digest. So the goal is to reduce inflammation and to help get the body into a more alkaline state. So these foods like the sugars, the breads, and the dairies are all very inflammatory and they're going to work against the gemotherapy extracts. So for some of you listening, I'm preaching to the choir here. You're confident in your ability to handle almost any illness that pops up for your family. And I think that is fabulous. I'm, I'm very glad to have you here. But if you're hearing this information for the first time, you're not going to listen to this podcast or read up on the information that I provide in the show notes and then just magically not be anxious the next time your child comes down with a fever. Even if we intellectually know a thing, we're still going to have that emotional reaction, right? So if your reaction to fever in the past has been fear, then that's going to continue to happen until you take steps to forge new neuropathways in the brain. So you have an ingrained way of responding. It's a habit, and it takes some time to change that. So remember that our brains like to do what it's always done, and it's going to take a little bit of work to change or form those new habits. Preparation is really just the key here. You need to be prepared for the fact that you're going to be afraid and anxious the next time your child gets a fever. That is normal and okay because you haven't really experienced anything different. I want you to give yourself the grace of knowing that these are new ideas for you, but you're learning and you are going to figure it out. Please, please, please don't dismiss this mindset piece. Most parents are going to have a lot of fear around their kids being sick. So this mental preparation, as well as having a plan, is going to be huge in having a successful outcome and raising your confidence. Bringing that awareness into focus is going to be so helpful in managing your thoughts during the process. I also can't stress enough how important it is to continue to do your own research, understand the role that fever plays in the body, and that there are actually health benefits to the immune system when it overcomes these kinds of illnesses on its own. But it's also important to know the signs that indicate that you might need to seek a medical attention, right? 
So some of the things that you want to look for are mental status changes, excessive vomiting or diarrhea, difficulty breathing, dehydration. You really want to make sure that the child is staying hydrated. And you absolutely can talk to your doctor about it and see what his or her opinion is. Just know that conventional doctors are probably going to recommend the fever reducers because they just don't see it as a big deal. Um, it would be really interesting to see if they know about this latest research regarding fevers, though. That, that could be interesting. So make a plan now for what you're going to do the next time your child gets sick. Make a plan and write it down. Gather the supplies and remedies that you need ahead of time so that you're not scrambling at the last minute. That is just not going to work. It never works. Trust me, you are not going to be in the right state of mind to remember these things that are unfamiliar to you when you're stressed. There's a very simple quote that says, failing to plan is planning to fail. There's not much else to say about that. To succeed, one must be prepared, right? If you're cooking a meal, you have to, you know, make sure you've planned to have all the ingredients and all the, the, you know, the pots and pans and stuff in order to be able to prepare that meal. If you homeschool, you have to have some sort of plan on what you're going to teach and how you're going to teach and what materials you're going to use. So this is the same in any endeavor that you undertake. Make sure that you plan for it and it will increase your chances of success. Thank you so much for being with me today. I really hope that this is helpful for you. I will have the show notes with all of the links up on christinawall.com uh, later in the week. Until next time, much love and many blessings to you and yours.